Spring of Life Fellowship and Pastor Omar Vasquez invites you to listen to a message of restoration and strengthening for your life. Be a part of the vision, changing the world. La Iglesia Spring of Life Fellowship y el Pastor Omar Vázquez le invitan a escuchar un mensaje de restauración y fortaleza para su vida. Sea parte de la visión cambiando el mundo. But God's truths never get old. God's truths were established from the beginning of time and throughout eternity and forever they're never going to get old. And we have to make sure that's our job that they don't get old. And in, and in this world, what doesn't get old changes, right? We're living in the time of technology. We're living in a time where even in politics, change is the buzzword, right? All the politicians that want to get elected now, what do they have to do? They have to promise you change. And uh, so in this world, everything is changing. I mean, today the new iPhone was announced. I thought the new iPhone was, was only six months old, right? Already there's a new one uh, coming out. So we live in a time where nothing, nothing lasts for very long. If it doesn't get old, they'll change it because they're not even going to give you a chance for it to get old. But God's laws never change. God establishes a law, and that law will be true and pure for, for the rest of time. It will never, never change. And what doesn't get old and doesn't change in this world will expire or die, right? If they don't want to even give you long enough for it to get older or for it to change, they'll put an expiration date on it. And, and, it, and you have to get rid of it soon. Either that or it'll die. But God's promises to us never expire. When God makes you a promise, that promise is yours until the very day that you go into his presence. It will never expire and it will never die. So the old gate speaks about our responsibilities as the church, to preserve God's principles, to live by God's promises, to teach God's truth as they are, without change, without modernizing them, without adding to them, without subtracting to them, without trying to make God's truth relevant to our needs and to today's society. So in other words, the old gate tells us and shows us and teaches us that the church, that we are the protectors of God's ancient truths. We are the protectors of the integrity of God's promises, the integrity of the covenants that God makes with us. We are the protectors of God's laws, that nobody and nothing changes them. So we, that's our responsibility in the old gate. We are the protectors of God's truths. If you brought your book tonight, let's open it to page 49. We're going to read there. A key verse. For those who didn't bring, up, bring the book, you can put on the screen the media people in the back, Nehemiah chapter 3, verse 6. Because it's the same thing. And it says this, page 49 at the bottom, if you're looking at the book. Moreover, the old gate repaired, moreover, the old gate repaired Johanad, the son of Pasi, and Musulam, the son of Besodai, they laid the beams there, thereof and set up the doors thereof and the locks thereof and the bars thereof. That is the key verse in Nehemiah that speaks about the restoration of the old gate. We wouldn't do justice to this chapter without reading the, the key verse from the Word of God. Now turn, the page to, turn your page over to page 50 if, you, if you're using the book. And we're going to read at the top, the top paragraph. And I believe this is 
where Pastor Joaquin uh, really shares the essence of what the old gate is. It says, as the church begins to understand the significance of restoring the old gate, leaders will see themselves as promoting and promoting the preservation of God's unchanging truths so that the church remains consistent with the authenticity. If someone imitates or changes the character and content of an object, the, change, the changed object can be said to be fraudulent or imposterous. Whether a dollar bill or a legal signature undergoes any modification in form, it is seen as a forgery. Therefore, the old gate reminds the church to be careful and resist the temptation to replace or exchange that which is old and existing before time for what is new and upcoming. To replace or remove that which is fundamental or foundational can cause severe loss and limit the church's future progress. That is the essence, that is the heart of the problem, the destruction of God's foundations, the willingness of God's people inside the church to modify God's truth. And, and who would you think is doing this? Is it the fish, those that, that don't know the Lord, or would you think it's the sheep? It's God's people that are doing this. It's not the lost. It's God's people that destroy the foundations that, that are found in the Bible that were given us to us by the Lord. Of course, that the lost, of course, that the fish don't live by these instructions. Of course, they have zero burden to keep them pure. We cannot expect for the lost to have this responsibility. It is not the responsibility. This responsibility is of the church. It's of the sheep. It's of the local church, and it's especially of the shepherds that God has placed upon the, upon the sheep. God does not entrust at any time in his word any responsibility or any work to the lost. God does not place any type of responsibility over them. God does not even need the government of the United States or any entity to protect his word. God does not rely on Congress or the Senate or the Declaration of Independence or any of those great documents, as great and as respectful as they are, or our great government to do anything on behalf of his word. That responsibility is placed squarely on the shoulders of his church. And this is an issue that goes back to the very beginning of time. You might say to yourself, well, why would you say that? Nehemiah didn't write that until the 5th century before Christ. Well, he wrote it because it was already an issue. It was already a problem. It was already happening. Because God established laws, principles, promises, covenants, back from the time when he created the earth. When he, God created the earth, on the very first day, he was already establishing laws and principles, including the law of gravity. To this day, if, if I were to drop something, where would it go? Because God decided when he created the earth that there would be a, a, a gravitational pull from the center of earth that would bring everything towards the earth. And he did that even before man. Man came about on the sixth day. That was even done even before that. So God establishes many principles, covenants, and promises also with men. The problem is that we have been challenging and modifying and trying to change, improve, and do all kinds of things to these promises, to God's ancient truths from the very beginning. How far back in the beginning? Let's open our books, our, our Bibles this time to Genesis chapter 2. That's how far back. We could go farther back, but let's just take it there. 
Genesis chapter 2. It's going to be verse 15 through 17 we're going to read. It says, The Lord God took the man and put him in the garden of Eden to work it and to take care of it. And the Lord commanded the man, You are free to eat from any tree in the garden, but you must not eat from the tree of knowledge and good, of good and evil. For when you eat of it, you will surely die. That is the first commandment from God. The first principle established from God straight to man. And we blew it. It was so easy. It was so clear. It was truth and instruction straight from the mouth of God to man. A simple covenant to follow. A simple law to obey. And we were not able to do it. I could just imagine the, the scenario. Here's God and, and he's in the garden of Eden that he created in this paradise. And Adam and Eve are there. And he's telling them, I have created all this for you. On the left over here, you have all of the fruit trees. On the right over here, you have all the vegetables you, you will ever need. This is all for you. And by the way, I'm going to give you dominion over all the animals of the land. I'm going to give you dominion over the fish of the sea. I'm going to give you dominion over the birds of the air. This is all yours for, for you to enjoy. There is nothing that you will be lacking. Everything that you need is here. In the same way that God gave us everything that we need in his word. And then he tells them, by the way, there's only one thing I, I command. There's one thing I covenant with you. There's one principle I lay down right now. You see that tree in the middle of the, of the Garden of Eden? You see that tree that looks a little bit different from the rest of them that's right in the middle? That tree, I don't want you to touch it. And I don't want you to eat from it. Because if you do, you will die. As soon as God left the garden, I can imagine and I can see the wheels start turning in Adam and Eve's mind. Well, the tree is, is in the middle of the garden. You know, why would God put it in the middle of the garden and not want us to touch it? We've got to walk right past it every day. What if I bump into it? You know, I could hear the, you know, the doubts already. Starting in the minds. What, why doesn't God consider our needs, you know? Why doesn't God give us more choices? I mean, why couldn't we just maybe eat it on a special day or for dessert? And Eve has a conversation with the snake. And we all know what happens after that. And the problem is, why do I use this example, this scenario? Because the wheels of our minds that question God's ancient truths that question God's principles and laws, have never stopped turning from that day until today. From the day of Adam and Eve until today, God's people struggle to preserve and to keep God's truths. We struggle to believe God's promises. We struggle to obey God's laws and principles as they are, uncompromising the Bible without changing them, without modifying them, without adding to them. And churches are under pressure to do this. Churches are under pressure to be more tolerant, right, of all kinds of people, of all kinds of beliefs, especially today. Churches are under pressure to accept more choices and to give people more choices. Just today in the news, or yesterday maybe it was, the military announcing that, that homosexuals could serve openly. And those are choices. Those are things that are happening. 
choice, uh, pressures that are coming upon the church to be more accepting, to be more uh, accommodating of, of people's needs. And it all boils down to accepting and accommodating people's sinful nature when you get down to the bottom of it. But pressure, we can expect pressure from the outside world, right? That is something that, that we might expect. Pressure from uh, the government, maybe. Pressure from abortion groups. Pressure from uh, gay rights groups. Pressure from the outside could be expected. And that's, that's not a problem, right? There's always been pressure on the church, even from, from the old days, right? The problem is the pressure that comes from within the church. That is where we have a problem. And today we see churches uh, doing things and accepting practices that are contrary to the Word of God, that are twisting the ancient truths of God, that are modifying the promises that God has, has made for us. And this is, isn't a problem of today as we saw. This is something that has been coming for centuries. This is something that has been coming for decades and years. And that brings us to the state and the condition of today's church. The church is where it is today. The church looks like what it looks like today. It's suffering the problems that it suffers today simply because it has moved away from God's ancient truths. The church has become a tolerant place. The church has become an accommodating place where everyone can come as they are and feel comfortable and relax that way. And that's not the intention of the church. The church has become a place where you can bring your baggage and not necessarily get rid of it. And I see the results in that, and we see the results in that when we look out as to the things that we are seeing in the church. You can't imagine how many people I have arrested that are good members, Christian people that are going to church. And I'm talking about Christian churches that, that say that they preach the word of God. Um, you know, a man under arrest for, for cocaine possession. And like I've said before, I usually speak to people when I transport them from Kendall to the downtown jail. And I'll say to a man like that, uh, arrested for drug possession, I'll say to him, God can free you from an addiction to drugs. God can free you if you're having a problem with this substance. And to my surprise, the man will answer me, I know. Yes, you don't have to tell me to go to church. I have a church. In fact, I sing in the choir. And that's surprising to you, but it is not uncommon. It is not uncommon. Another man punches wife in the mouth, loses a tooth, under arrest, domestic battery. God can heal your marriage. You need to come to the Lord. You need to have a church where you could be with other young couples that will give you an example that will show you, that will show you how to be a man. Oh, thank you, but I have my own church. I don't, I appreciate it, but I'm, I'm an usher. I go to church. My wife goes to church. And it's sad, you know. It seems surprising to us. It even sounds funny, but it is a sad situation. And likewise, so many youths, with drugs, stealing cars, gang activity. And when you talk to them, oh, yeah, I go to youth group. Yeah, my parents go to church. We go to church together. I was brought up in the church. And why do I say this? Because it makes you ask, where is the effectiveness of the gospel in these people's lives? Where is the transforming power of the gospel, the same one that transformed you and transformed me? Why is it that we see so many people 
that this miracle, that this transformation is not happening in? Why is that possible or how is it possible? Let's open our Bibles to 2 Corinthians chapter 5. Verse 17, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has gone and the new has come. Why isn't this happening? Why are lives not being transformed? And I can tell you that when you come to the Christ and you attend the church that is giving you sound doctrine, you will be transformed. And we can all say that, right? Have you been transformed? I know you've been transformed. I know I've been transformed. I know you've been transformed. So we know it happens. But why are we not seeing this happen in so many people? Why do we see masses of people coming in the church and out of the church and leaving the same or partially changed? I don't think God is in the business of doing partial changes. I believe it's because we read in that verse very clearly that it says, because it says, in Christ... In Christ, the old will leave and the new will come. But today we have a watered-down version of Christ. Today, God's ancient truths, God's promises, God's laws, God's principles, God's covenants are being watered down. And when you have watered-down principles and truths, that means the results that you get, the people that you see, are going to be watered down. If you have half the truth, you're going to have half the results. If you have a counterfeit doctrine, you're going to have counterfeit results. And, you know, I thought about how, how better to express that. And I don't know any other way than this, um, than this little experiment here that I've seen done before. God gives us, this, this glass right here has some water in it, as you can see, right? And this will represent God's ancient truths, God's promises, the word of God, his principles that he's established, the covenants that he's made with us, the promises that he's given each one of us in his word, pure, transparent, the way that they were intended, the way that they were written in God's word, and the way that they should be taught to us, the way that the examples that we should be given are like this. But back from the beginning of time as we saw, Starting with Adam and Eve, they added a little bit of their own opinions, right? And then as time has gone on, we've added a little bit of tolerance because the church can't be that strict, right? The church needs to accept others the way they are. And then those of us that have sometimes been in the Lord a long time, we tend to develop opinions. So we add a little bit of our own opinions, to God's ancient truths, right? And then because people get bored or people uh, start thinking that God's word and God's ancient truths are no longer enough, we started to add more choices, right? Because why only have one choice? We need to give people more choices. And what happens over time? And this is something that does not happen overnight. This is something, like I said, that has taken decades and centuries to happen. But God's truths that started out pure, that started out transparent, become like this. And they're still there. God's ancient truths are still here. You can still find them. They're just a little bit more difficult now, right? It's more confusing. It's not as clear. 
So what happens when the church is like this? What happens when God's truths are twisted, modified to this point? Then the results are going to be the same. The results are going to come from here. The results are no longer going to come from the pure truths the way that they were. Let's open our, our book, if you have it, to page 50 a moment. We're going to read one more section from the book. As the church begins to understand the significance of restoring the old gate, leaders will see themselves as promoting the preservation of God's unchanging truths so that the church remains consistent with authenticity. If someone imitates or changes the character and content of an object, the changed object can said to be fraudulent or imposterous. Well, wait a minute. That's the same thing I read before, isn't it? I'm sorry. Bottom of the page. Page 50 at the bottom. Many churches have been too quick to remove and replace truths that God established as immutable foundations. Certain foundational truths of God's design must always serve as the building blocks of his kingdom. Without preserving these fundamental truths in their proper place, the church shall be unable to sustain the new things that God desires to bring into the picture. The old gate reminds Christian believers that they must make sure never to forsake or replace what God intended to be permanent and perpetual landmarks. In God's sovereign design, the old gate reminds the church of all God's truths that are unchanging and everlasting. At the old gate, the believers are faced with the reality that there are aspects of God's truth and character that were designed to never change. Many, many may view this non-changing aspect of God's person and design as an offense, negative hindrance to the progress, evolution, and development of their existence. The old gate is a reminder to all people of that ancient of days has every right to establish eternal truths that are intended to abide without alteration forever. Forever is a long time. It never ends it's never, and it's never going to change. It is a responsibility of each generation to hand over those truths of God in the original form. It's our, our turn now, this generation's responsibility to make sure that is in our reach, in our circle, that we never allow God's ancient truths, that we never allow the commandments, that we never allow the principles that God has established, the promises, the word of God to be, to be altered in any way, to be changed in any way, to be taught other than as written in God's word in any way. And the church will succeed, even though maybe that sounded like a gloomy picture that I've painted, right, of what's been going on in the direction of the church. God's word says that we will succeed. A bride will rise and the word of God will be brought forth in a pure way. And we're going to read one last verse that's going to show us that. Isaiah chapter 46, verse 9. The musicians can go ahead and come up. We're going to sing one more song after we're finished to close. Here's the victory of the Lord. Isaiah chapter 46 verse 9 and 10 says, Remember the former things, those of long ago. 
I am God, and there is no other. I am God, and there is none like me. I make known the ends from the beginning, from ancient times, what is still to come. I say, my purpose will stand, and I will do all that I please. So God is saying there, from the ancient times, what is to come, what is still to come, what is written in his word will not come to pass, will come to pass as is written. The question is, who will be those that are participating? Who will be those people, God's people, that are part of the solution? Who will be part of that church that is preserving those ancient truths? There are many. There are many that will be guilty of not preserving those ancient truths. There are many that will be guilty of not preserving God's principles and covenants the way that God has written them down. I don't want to be on that side of the fence. I want to be on the side of the fence where we are part of those that presented the clear water, right, before it was contaminated. I want to be part of those that brought fruit that represents the results of a true doctrine of the Word of God, the way it was written, the, word, the way it was intended. And, and you, we, will see, we have seen that fruit in this place. We have seen that fruit in our, in our uh, youths, in our college group, in our young people, right? Because if the leadership of the church is presenting truths the way God has designed, and the parents are accepting those truths and not modifying them and handing them down to their children, then they will see the blessing in their, in their children. And, it's a, and it's, it's, a, it's a wheel that doesn't stop. That is why it's so important to keep the purity, to keep the integrity in what is done in the Word of God, in the principles and the truths. Because once you introduce something false, once you change God's principles or God's truths and they go out that way, there's results. It's like throwing a rock in, in a river. It has a ripple effect. You can't take that back once you let that out. That's why it is so important for this church and for every church to have a working old gate, which means that the leadership in the church is aware of its responsibility to keep God's truths the way that they have were written, not to modernize them, not to accommodate the new world that we live in, because to be honest with you, the new world that we live in is pretty rotten. I'd rather go backwards than forward if, if what going forward is, is going to mean or, or live the way that, that the world wants us to live. So let's know that our ancient ways, your ancient ways as written in the Word of God, are the best. You have nothing to be ashamed of, nothing to worry about. You should feel no pressure from inside or outside the church to modernize anything, to fix anything, or to improve anything. Because the way God made it is perfect. The way God made it is perfect, and we can see that when it's applied that way, the results are perfect. The results are not half-truths, and the results are not half-baked. The results are perfect. So don't move away from God's ancient truths. Those old truths written hundreds of years ago are exactly what we need, and we have them. So we should never, ever move away from that. Amen? Let's stand tonight. Let's sing one more song. And with that, we will be able to uh, say hello to each other and... Wish each other a good night. Amen. And everyone needs compassion. 
a love that's never failing. Let mercy 